go into almost any Irish pub and look on the wall behind the bar. You're likely to see a photo of John F. Kennedy and one of Michael Collins. Collins was a leader of Ireland's struggle for independence from Britain back in 1916. A few years later, he was assassinated during the Irish Civil War on August 22, 1922. Just what happened is still a matter of debate in Ireland. Some Irish consider Michael Collins a national hero. Others don't. But they all know that he personifies the struggle behind the formation of today's Republic of Ireland. It's a legacy that our friends Stephen McPhillamy and Barry Maloney are here to tell us about now on Travel with Rick Steves. Stephen, Barry, thanks for joining us. Thanks Thanks for having us, Rick. Stephen, with that introduction about Michael Collins, that's kind of the American romantic look at Michael Collins. Did I nail it, or is that a little romanticized? I think you nailed it. He's probably the biggest figure in Irish history in the 20th century, Mm -hmm. along with Eamon de Valera. But there would be a fair amount of people who aren't really on Collins' side, even in the nationalist community. He's a very divisive figure. The sad story about Ireland is where you, you fought so heroically so long for independence from Britain, and then right away you broke into civil war fighting about what you're going to do with your independence. Yeah, we hit that self-destruct button. I think in fairness, though, from all my research and readings, that Collins really wanted to avert that civil war. I think it really saddened him that we fought each other then after we successfully, not defeated Britain, but successfully fought them to a standstill. So I don't think he would have wanted that civil war and maybe tried to avert it, but at the same time, he fought the civil war as leader of the Free State Army. He was a combatant. Barry, why is Michael Collins so near and dear to Irish hearts? What did he do, first of all? Well, first he he negotiated a separation from United Kingdom rule of Ireland. He negotiated what eventually became the Republic of Ireland. He negotiated that treaty. Okay. And he fought to get to that point of negotiation. Did he inspire the Irish people to stand up against great odds? Yeah, definitely, yeah. But there's two sides. He was a guerrilla fighter. He was a Mm -hmm. tactician. He led assassination squads. Mm-hmm. of assassinating British... So you could call him a terrorist? Yeah, terrorist. You could draw parallels. He was the most wanted man in Ireland at one stage. He disguised himself as a nun mm-hmm. occasionally to avoid capture. And today he is a hero to the Irish, but it's a delicate subject. And the easiest way to describe that is even though we became independent recently in our history, there is no Irish 4th of July. We have no date of celebrating our independence. You don't? No. Stephen McPhillamy, give me a little context for people who know there's a struggle between Ireland and Britain, but just in a nutshell, tell us about the background of the British occupation, the War of Independence, and then the Civil War that followed. Right, so England conquers in the 1600s and has its domination of Ireland then, and there's a series of rebellions pretty much every generation from then on, all of them unsuccessful. In 1916, we have a rebellion that is also a failure from a military point of view, but the British execute the leaders quite quickly afterwards and public sympathy rises in favour of the rebels and and Michael Collins was one of those young rebels. He was in the general post office in Dublin in 1916 and I think in that post office he probably thought to himself, well, if we ever survive this, next time we'll fight again but we won't have uniforms on in the middle of Dublin with big grand flags and banners and next time we'll fight a guerrilla war, we'll take the war out to the countryside and onto the streets and we'll you know, maybe bow the head to the enemy during the day, but we'll fight them at night. Okay. And uh, he then is regarded as one of the fathers of modern guerrilla warfare. I mean, in fairness to Collins, as a military operator, like he was top class. So he was uh, brilliant as a, as a guerrilla yeah, commander. A brilliant as a fighter and a commander and a, as a tactician. 
and extremely well organised. He had worked in the British Civil Service. You see, he went off and worked in London and the British Civil Service controlled an empire. So Collins would have picked up a lot of organisational skills there, ironically, that he would use against that empire Mm. on his return home. He was a member of a secretive group called the IRB, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, and they're also known as the Fenians. Uh So he was a, a very genuine revolutionary devoted to the cause of overthrowing British rule by violent methods if necessary. And Barry, how did uh, Michael Collins eventually die? As soon as we got independence, we began to fight ourselves in a civil war. One side wanted a free Republic of Ireland, the other side wanted to keep fighting for more, more territory and Mm -hmm. a a complete island separation. And in the midst of that civil war, in 1922, he was going down to West Cork, down near where he was born, actually, and in an ambush, he was killed. He then became a mythical figure, almost like our JFK Cut down in his prime. He was only, what? Early 30s. 32. Early 32 years old. Yeah. And ironically, he was the only person killed in the ambush. There's so many ironies about it because Collins had mastered modern guerrilla warfare and he had taught IRA men, Irish Republican Army men, how to set up ambushes in the countryside to fight the British Army. And then he gets killed by the IRA in an ambush in the countryside. By his own tactics. By his own tactics. <laughs> Uh, he was the only one killed. He was dressed in the uniform of the new Irish Free State Army, dressed as a, as a general. There are allegations locally that he had a big night the night before. There had been a party and he may have been... There's allegations he may have been still drunk. There are allegations that he was definitely hungover mm-hmm. because instead of getting his head down when the firing started, instead of getting down and taking cover, he's supposed to have jumped up and started returning fire and mm-hmm. he got hit in the temple then with a single shot. Stephen, heroic as Michael Collins was, what's an example of some Irish person who might not think he was so brilliant and heroic? Two answers to that. In the Republic of Ireland today, we have two big political parties, Fianna Foyle and Fianna Gael, who are political rivals. And Fianna Gael was Michael Collins' party, if you like. And during the summer, I had some tour members down in the town of Kinsale, where Barry's from. And they had come back from a day trip to see Michael Collins' sights. Their tour guide had been a Fianna Gaeler. Fianna Gael man, he would have been pro-Collins. So when they came back, they were boasting away about the great things they'd seen about Collins and that they had been to his birth site and they'd been to this where he went to school. And the pub owner was a Fianna Foyle man. He said, sure, you should have come with me. I could have showed you where we shot him. Whoa, so there are people that yeah. don't <laughs> think he was the... the, the he had a, kind of a, a twinkle in his eye and a smile, but it was also a bit of a double entendre there. You know, they, So he was happy to see him gone. And then up the north, in the Northern Irish nationalist community and the Catholic community... Many people would, they'd have some admiration for Collins, but there's quite a lot who don't like him at all because as far as they're concerned, he abandoned them. He was the nationalist leader. He went to London and he signed a treaty which handed the six counties of Northern Ireland over to remain with the UK. Oh, and if you're a Catholic stuck in the North, you could blame Michael Collins for agreeing to partition Ireland, basically. Yeah, because that's essentially what he did. Now, when Collins signed that treaty, he turned to his colleagues and he said... Something along the lines of, lads, I have just signed my own death warrant. He knew. And, you know, shortly thereafter, he was dead. Some years ago, you know, a a History Ireland magazine ran a competition where you had to sum up Irish history in seven words. His winning entry was about the ambush of Michael Collins because he's supposed to have been drunk. The winning entry was, Collins arrived, half shot, departed, fully shot. Summing up Irish history in good Irish wit. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're joined by Barry Maloney and Stephen McPhillamy. We're talking about the Irish hero, Michael Collins. Barry, when you think about sightseeing, give me uh, three or four sights that somebody might see that gives them a sense of the heroics that 
earned independence for Ireland from Britain back uh, 100 years ago? Sure. A few sites connect with Michael Collins. First start where he was born in Clonakilty, West Cork. And as you're down there, you can visit the site where he was assassinated, Bail and Blaw, just a few miles out the road. Mm-hmm. Then up closer to Dublin, you can visit, of course, where he's buried, Glasnevin Cemetery. Mm-hmm. You can do a fascinating guided tour of the cemetery, which covers a lot of famous Irish people. And also visit in Dublin, the GPO, where the 1916 Rising took place, and Kilmainham Jail, mm-hmm. where a lot of the Irish rebels were imprisoned. So the, the general post office was just a heroic sort of last stand or something last for stand. these heroes. You can and still then, see the bullet holes. And Stephen McPhillamy... Collins' last uh, resting place, or before he was buried, his body lay in state in uh, City Hall in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And there are some very fantastic photographs around of that era. And it was our first big state funeral after independence. Hundreds of thousands attended and Collins's body was drawn by the new Free State Army in full military uniform on the back of a, a gun carriage. So it's, uh, it was a big military, a big a public spectacle. Big deal for the new country of yeah. Ireland. And one of the most moving experiences for me in Ireland was going to Kilmainham Jail and reading the letters of the guys who were... Uh, going to be shot the next morning and the letters to their loved ones. Uh, and they could have, some of them could have saved their lives if they just had, uh, you know, stood down, but they would not, they, they wished they had more than one life to give for their country. Just one quick word about Kilmainham Jail. How, how can we appreciate Kilmainham Jail, Stephen? Well, in some ways, Kilmainham Jail is like Ireland's Alamo, if you like, or it's just mm-hmm. such a national shrine. I think every Muslim must go to Mecca once in his life, but every tourist to Ireland must go to Kilmainham Jail. I agree. Kilmainham Jail is in Dublin. It's very easy to see in your list of top sites in Dublin. And uh, I would say that's a must for anybody that wants to gain an appreciation of the courage and the valor of these uh, heroes that helped Ireland establish its independence. Barry Maloney and Stephen McPhillamy, thanks so much for a, a little better appreciation of somebody who's so important in Irish history. Thanks, Rick. Cheers, Rick. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for London, England, Great Britain, Scotland, and Ireland. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for this region and beyond, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.